genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 12, which starts with Gollum releasing his hold around Sam's neck and ends with Gollum saying, we be nice to them. And we'll get the rest of that phrase tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one of the Gollum screaming minutes. Um, he's pretty much yelling the entire minute until yeah. until Frodo kind of... Until Frodo says he, he takes pity on him and then his screaming stops and he's like, we be nice to them. Um, I don't quite remember if it was on mic or off, but I think it was during our movie review or a theatrical movie review, and you were saying that you felt that this, the way Gollum is acting with the elven rope is an act. Yes. I think it might make him uncomfortable, but he's way overblowing it. Okay. Why do you think such? The immediate turnaround and the ceasing of looking so uncomfortable as soon as Frodo says, I do take pity on him. And he stops rolling around on the ground and stands up and goes, we'd be nice to you. Well, he doesn't really, he doesn't stand up. He never stands up. Well, yeah. But like he gets up, he stops rolling around on the floor. He's not going the whole time anymore. He's not yelling and fighting. He, like, he grabs the rope with his other hand and holds it towards Frodo. In this minute? Uh, maybe not in this minute. That might be in next minute. Yeah. But that's a thing he does. Okay. Like, he takes the rope in his hand. I don't feel like he is faking it. Like, maybe it's not as intense as... It sounds, but I don't think that he's faking it. I don't know. I think he's he is playing it up to such a degree that they'll have no choice but to either leave him, in which case he has a chance to escape, or let him go. Well, no, because he pleads with them because Sam says we should just tie him up and leave him. Yeah. And he says no. Yeah. But if, if he felt like he would have a chance at escaping right i mean he doesn't want to be tied up there's always the chance he won't be able to get away but i it's the look on his face when frodo says he pities him that to me signifies oh this is working i don't because smeagol is one of the things that's established in the hobbit and is a through line and one of the things about Gollum is that Gollum is really clever right and it would be very smart to make a gigantic ruckus if you're tied up like this and know that they're not really, at least one of them, isn't really willing to kill you. Because if he was, they wouldn't have tied you up. I guess I was 
looking at the book because I have always had a problem with the minute tomorrow's minute. Um, and I was looking at it to see if in the book they are, well, Sam is as brutal as, uh, movie Sam Mm. in regards to Gollum and he's not, um, in the book, like Sam suggests, like Sam threatens to tie a rope around his neck in a tight noose. Mm. Because Sam wants to just leave him for dead. Like, Sam wants to just kill him. Right. But Frodo is saying, well, no, like, we just want him to follow us. We can't really tie his feet, so let's just wrap it around his ankle. Yeah. And in the book, it specifically says that Gollum starts, like, shrieking as soon as they get that elven rope on. And it's not like the elven rope is um, biting into his skin. And there's a phrase that I like underlined when I was going through it again and Frodo like checks the the rope and here I'll, I'll back up I guess he stood over Gollum this is Frodo he stood over Gollum while Sam tied the knot the result surprised them both Gollum began to scream a thin tearing sound very horrible to hear he writhed and tried to get his mouth to his ankle and bite the rope he kept on screaming and then the dialogue that Gollum says regarding the rope in the movie is pretty much lifted from the book. There's like bits where he says, um, elves twisted it, cursed them, nasty, cruel hobbits. That's why we tries to escape. Of course it is precious. We guessed they were cruel hobbits. They visits elves, fierce elves with bright eyes. So like Gollum has been, Gollum's probably been at the hands of the elves too. Cause he was in Mirkwood, right? For a while. Yeah, he was. I, I think he was. Yeah, that's where they found him. Was in Mirkwood, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and he was imprisoned. Yeah. And then he escaped. Right. So, Gollum has been at the mercy of both both elves and orcs at this point. Mm-hmm. And. He doesn't he, like either of them. Yeah, take it off us. It hurts us. And Frodo says, "No, I will not take it off you." Said Frodo. Not unless he paused a moment and thought. Not unless there is any promise you can make that I can trust. And there's a, a a line that when Frodo examines the the knot, he, he examined it and found that it was not too tight, indeed hardly tight enough. Sam was gentler than his words. So, like, Sam is threatening to tie a rope around this creature's neck, mm-hmm. but when he does so, it's very loose. Yeah. And it's not even around his neck, it's around his ankle. Yeah. So that one line, Sam was gentler than his words, I think jives more with my, like my Sam, I guess, than the one that we get in these minutes where he's just like tugging. Yeah. And pulling, dragging dragging him him. along. Yeah. Yeah. I think in a way though, I think this slightly more brutal Sam is kind of necessary to make the pity work. Yeah. Because you have to... You can't just have Gollum talk about being treated poorly in the past. You have to show him being treated poorly. Mm-hmm. That's real. Like that's really important to getting the narrative going the direction they want it to go. And they're not going to have their hero do it. No. So it's kind of got to be Sam. Yeah. But like Sam is so. I guess Sam up to this point has proven to be so gentle and naive. Yeah, but willing that... to fight. 
Right. But like this, this just seems not completely left field. Cause I understand in this, the context of the movie, what they're trying to do with Gollum in regards to Sam and Frodo's relationship. Yeah. But cause we've had a whole movie of Sam and Frodo being amicable and like friends and right. everything. So this one, of course you're trying to break them apart a little bit. Yeah. So I understand that, but it just feels it's so it's so brutal. I hate watching this. <laughs> well, cuz I don't think Sam doesn't see Gollum as a person. I think Sam views Gollum like a a wild animal, like a wolf. Yeah. He's a predator. So he's he doesn't movie Sam just doesn't want to take any of Gollum's crap cuz he doesn't want to get strangled in the night. Yeah. Well, Book Sam doesn't either. That's why right. he's like, but, when uh, he's time up, he wants to kill us right. in our sleep. But even across this movie, Sam kind of warms to Gollum a little bit as it goes on, too. I think because Frodo confronts him about it yeah. later on. Right. But Sam warms to Gollum, too, like across this movie, which is also part of what makes like the betrayal hit a little harder. Right. But I think that Sam is only able to do so because Frodo asks him to. Yeah. Or basically is like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Look, he's got those big blue eyes, just like me. <laughs> Cut him some slack. It's, I guess I can save it for tomorrow, but yesterday you were talking about how, like, their, like, connection yeah. or whatever, and towards the end of the chapter, when Gollum is, like, swearing his fealty or his allegiance or whatever, like he promises, there's a bit of description um, from Sam's point of view, and... It says, For a moment it appeared to Sam that his master had grown and Gollum had shrunk, a tall, stern shadow, a mighty lord who hid his brightness in a gray cloud, and at his feet a little whining dog. Yet the two were in some way akin and not alien. They could reach one another's minds. Interesting. Yeah. So they like there is, in the text, like a connection between the two. And whether or not that is amplified by the ring or predicated by the ring is interesting. Hmm. Um, I think it is the ring that, well, binds them. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure if their connection is because of the ring or if it just existed. That's what I mean, I guess, by like predicated by. If it existed before. Yeah. Like if Frodo was always meant to do this and Gollum was always meant to do this and they were going to, they were fated to like meet up, which I'm not a big fan of, but it's a narrative so. yeah i mean Gollum. Gollum doesn't exist without the ring right they could be related we've talked about that before have we just a little this idea that because Gollum is like a hobbity like creature who lived in an area where frodo's like ancestors ancestors are from it's possible that they are related like very distantly yeah that's weird like Gollum could be his cousin his very many generations removed <laughs> like how many generations is how many hobbit generations are there in like 500 years they live longer than people but if he's related to frodo wouldn't he also be related to mary and pippin yeah because they're his cousins yeah that's silly they're cousins they're all cousins this is our cousin smeagol but this is like that is like like star wars like skywalker family levels of absurdity like I mean, not, no, not really. I don't, I... It's more absurd than Skywalker's. I don't think that they are related. 
because that just seems I don't know it just seems so outlandish in a movie about like <laughs> tiny people and magic rings and like elves that can walk on snow it just seems too outlandish <laughs> But part of that might be because Gollum is portrayed as a monster. That might be part of why it feels outlandish. I don't think so, because in... Because in a very old English way, them being related is something that doesn't feel out of place. Because they, like, there's like a saying that, like, all Englishmen are at least, like, so many cousins apart. Oh. Ew. Like, and it's, it's a large number. It's like 14 or 15 or something like that. Okay, but at the same time... Because it's an island. Right, but the Shire isn't. Yeah, but they're isolated. Yeah, but this is like 500 years ago. Yeah. That's like You'd be amazed how many people you're related to 500 years back. I guess, but... Like, by 500 years ago, you have thousands of relations. I like the idea of them not being related. Because, for me, it widens the scope of the story. Like, the... The idea that this one evil artifact can bring so many different people together yeah, is more impactful to me than thinking about it like Skywalker family drama. You know what I mean? Like, there's more to this world than the, the, the Shire. Right. But one of the, like, one of the things about the theme, too, is that the hobbits are creatures of incredibly tiny scope right becoming involved in a larger thing and that's right no that's fine but like i don't know like frodo and mary and pippin are already all related right it's not established in not the movie even, like, that mary and pippin are frodo's cousins are oh it's yeah pippin says it yeah my but cousin we, twice removed on his mother's side or but something do, like does that. mary ever mention being related to frodo or pippin well mary like, I don't think in the... I don't think in the movie Mary ever makes his relation to Pippin or Frodo known. Right. But... But we know that Pippin and Frodo are cousins. If Pippin and Frodo are cousins, and Mary and Pippin, like, grew up together... Right. But we don't know that they're related in the context of the movie. Right. But, like, if you... Frodo and Sam grew up together. They're not related. If you read the book, they're related. Right. They're all related. Like... Yeah. They're all... All the hobbits you know were related, basically, in the book. Like, when they talk about distant relations and Bilbo rattles off all those families, those people are at his birthday party because he's also related to most of them. Right, but not, like, bloodlines by, like, marriage. Yeah, but all those cousins share blood. I guess. Like, all the cousins... Frodo and Pippin for sure do. Yeah. Because Frodo's mom was a took. Right. And then there's the Sackville Bagginses, which Frodo shares blood with. Yeah, but who cares about the Sackville Bagginses? Right? (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I'm it just, phrasing it correctly, but I like the idea of, the idea of Gollum being related to Frodo to lead Frodo to the end goal just seems too tidy. See, I would say that it seems tidy if it's obvious. If it's not obvious, it's not tidy. It's something else for a reader to discover. Okay. But I'm saying like that quote unquote discovery to me is too tidy mm. whether or not it's obvious or not mm. that's why i prefer to think of I mean, them as being as like having arrived here from like happenstance or serendipity yeah well maybe the ring just likes this family 
No, see, that's too Star Wars. That is, that is very <laughs> Star Wars. But, I mean, what we know of hobbits and the context, the cultural like context we get of hobbits and their large families of interrelations, it doesn't seem far-fetched or out of place for them to be hundreds of gener- a hundred generations apart. But it's not that many. It'd be like, it'd probably be like 25. It'd probably be like 25 generations apart. But if they're, for a community that's so tied up in genealogy, I feel like there would have been, there would have been mention of, like, oh, like this legend of this, I don't know, these cousins that just go missing. Like, they go fishing one day. Like, trying to think of Smeagol's origin story from the perspective of the family that he never came back to. You know what I mean? Did he just run away when he killed Deagle? Or did he go back to town and then get run off? In the movie, at least. I'm pretty sure he murders Deagle and then just... Just buggers away. Yeah, I almost said a word I should... Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think in the book, it's a little different. But trying to think of... Well, because we're analyzing the movie and not the book strictly. Right. From the movie's perspective, for a community that's so into genealogies i feel like there would have been at least like an inkling of you know oh these two cousins like one of them was found dead and the other one is just missing i mean maybe i mean there there's always stuff like that that families don't talk about too i mean you're not going to know all the details especially 500 years ago right but i feel like it might just be noted on a on a family tree like these two cousins died concerning like concerning hobbits and frodo's or Bilbo's birthday, well, I guess Frodo's birthday party, but Bilbo's birthday party. Right. In the context of the movie, not Frodo's birthday party. Right. Only Bilbo's. In the context of the movie, Bilbo's birthday party, hobbits are gossipy. Super gossipy. So if there was like a pair of cousins where one of them turned up murdered with like handprints around his neck and the other one just disappeared. Right. People would talk. I feel like that would be like sensationalist. Yeah. But you're you're also talking from the perspective of a culture that, you know, doesn't travel super far. And I don't know how far away Brie is, but you're talking about like 500 years ago and like 50 to 100 miles away. But if Gollum is related to royalty, basically, Mm. like, I mean, at the very least, I don't think it's at all out of the question that he could be related to the Tooks and Brandy Bucks. As they are the oldest family in that area. Right, but if they're related to the Tooks and the Brandy Bucks, then Frodo's related to him. Because his mom's a Took. Right. and But it'd be even more distant, probably. Depending on how he'd be related to them. Is his mom a Took? Or is, yes, it, is she a Brandy Buck? His mom's a Took. Th- maybe I'm conflating him and No, Bilbo. Bilbo's mom Bilbo's is a Took. Bilbo's mom is a Took. And Fro- maybe Frodo's mom is a Bandy Buck. Brandy, Brandy Buck. Because, yeah, Bilbo's mom is a Took. Okay, yeah. Anyway... Same, the same thing holds. Like. Right, right. But I mean, where they're the oldest family there, one of the things you find out, like, because my, my father's been doing genealogy for, like, his entire life. Right. One of the things about, like, genealogy, and especially royal families that you kind of come to figure out, is that royalty tends to be related to everybody. Everybody in the area that they rule, they're related to. Because over time, they marry all the families. Any family, anyone from any family that rises to prominence winds up married into the royal families in some capacity. So royal families are pretty much related to everyone they rule over, at least in feudal, in a feudal sense, because they become married into anyone who becomes a successful merchant or a success or like a successful businessman or anyone who in, in England, anyone who wins a jousting tournament gets elevated 
anyone who goes off to war and comes back alive uh, <laughs> and having done and well, officer. having done well, gets elevated. So what you find is like royal families over time eventually become interweaved with pretty much the people they rule over. And especially when you go back 500 years, if you go back 500 years in any town, you're going to find dozens of connections that you would have never thought existed. Right. I don't know. I still just think that... Especially when there's really not that many hobbits. I still just think that... Well, if hobbit numbers have been dwindling over the years, like if the the trend started, there were way more hobbits from Gollum's time than there were in the present. Yeah. They're just having fewer kids, which over time means that the genealogies are going to bottleneck. But not Mrs. Uh, Bracegirdle. But not Mrs. Bracegirdle. <laughs> my, my, she has been busy. <laughs> um, I don't know. But do you understand what I, I mean? Like, is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? Maybe not. But I prefer to think of it as completely happenstance because that's just the way that I like to interpret things i mean unless it's explicitly stated that these people are from this family which it's not because we get like we don't we don't know smeagol and deagle's last name right and we have hobbit family trees but they only go back so far right but also their names were important enough to somebody to be written down because well how gandalf speaks like uses the story as true gandalf as we know does his research Right. So when he heard the story from Gollum, he probably went to go check. So he there's prob- some lost Hobbit genealogy somewhere. Well, I mean, they don't know. They don't know from before Shire Reckoning. They know from Shire Reckoning. That's like what the thing we were just reading implies. Right. But from Shire before Shire Reckoning, Reckoning they has don't know. Been happening for fourteen hundred years, years, and Gollum is only from five hundred years ago. Right. So he's from the the most recent third. But that's what I'm of saying. Go- of like if, Hobbit history, if as recent, quote unquote, recent. <laughs> as 500 years is in their history like they've been settled in that same area for like 1400 years yeah why i feel like it would have come up i don't have any idea what my ancestors 500 years ago were doing do you and we live in the modern world where that information is much more readily available and written down and it was written down in the past too but people didn't go looking through it right but you're saying that Smeagol and Deagle were of importance as to have been written down, but like if they were written down, why doesn't Hobbiton or why don't the Shire have a copy of that? Who cares? It was five hundred years ago. It's Hobbits are about gossip. Hobbits are about, but they're tradition. also about their immediate vicinity. But they're also about tradition. Yeah, like people care about where you come from. Yeah, in Hobbit society, so wouldn't you want to prove? That, like, you came from, like, the Tooks or the Brandy Bucks or the Baggins or whatever as far back as possible? Yeah. A- absolutely. Okay. But if these are two cousins in a branch family that never had any kids, no one's ever going to talk about them beyond that. They died young. And if it's a mystery, it was probably gossiped about a lot at the time. But that was 500 years ago. By now, no one cares. It's just a line that goes nowhere but they still might be the cousins of someone who was important. Their genealogy would have been written down when they were born. Yeah. And if those records still exist somewhere in among the guild halls of the old Took, then they're somewhere in that area. Maybe Gandalf went and found them. But that doesn't mean that anyone knows that they're there. But wouldn't Gandalf have been a big deal coming back to the Shire? Yeah, but... Because he disappears for like 18 years. 
Yeah, but Frodo wouldn't have known. Merry and Pippin, maybe Gandalf was like, mum's the word, and just, you know, went about his own business. I don't feel like Gandalf would have trusted Merry and Pippin enough to even talk to him. I mean, across that time, they were making their own plan to, like, squirrel Frodo away separately from Gandalf. So they might not have been there when they were arranging for the cabin for him to stay in. Right. No, I mean the 17 years between Frodo getting the ring and Gandalf showing up and being like, hey, you should leave. Yeah. Because when Gandalf shows up and is like, hey, you should leave, there's like months that happen after that. But I'm talking about like when he was doing his research. Yeah, when he went off to Gondor in the middle of those 17 years. I mean, maybe that's when he did his research on Gollum, too, before he actually headed south. But I thought that he and Aragorn and um, another elf were like tracking Gollum and they got Gollum's information from Gollum. Right. But you don't think Gandalf would have, like, tried to confirm it? Yeah, but how? Someone probably has records. We know that Gandalf likes libraries. It just seems, like, so... It doesn't feel out of place to me. It feels too fantastical. Gandalf's a wizard! Yeah. We just saw him fight a fire demon. Right. But... I mean, and that feels too fantastical, but... Wizards, like... I don't know. Wizards are... Gandalf. Okay. Gandalf is a deity, like a right. minor deity. Yeah. However, he is bound to this form. So yeah. this form has limitations. It's not like he can just... Yeah, that's why he has to go to the library. Open his brain and be like, oh, what is the universe going to speak to me today? But just like, even if you spend years researching something, you're always going to hit dead ends. And I don't feel like he was able to... If he was able to track down Smeagol's story, that's one thing. But we're talking about him being, like, related to Frodo. So I feel like that's... I don't think that's even anything Gandalf would have cared about. No, I know, but you were you were but, saying that... I mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, so. but if, if Gandalf... I think that Gandalf would have tried to confirm the story Gollum told him. And the only way to do that right. would be to look through genealogies. Okay. That's the only way it would work. Right, but... I'm saying if this genealogy exists, which it probably does because Gandalf found it, why wouldn't there be other... Co- like, why... I don't know. If 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 Gollum was related to Frodo, I feel like that's pertinent information. Right. But I mean, in, like, feudal pastoral England, there aren't multiple, multiple copies of records. There's one. Right. So it's not widespread because there's only one place to go look through it. I'm just saying I think that the idea of Gandalf finding Smeagol's records and the idea that Smeagol's records are linked to the Bagginses are, like, mutually exclusive. Well, it's not the Bagginses. It's Frodo. Frodo Baggins. Right, but it wouldn't be through the Bagginses. Right. It'd be the Tooks or Brandybucks. But it would lead to Frodo. Yeah. Yeah, it would eventually. But uh, it is more likely he's related to him than not, in my opinion. I It's don't... considerably more likely, given the span of time and the area in which he's from. Like, it would have been no mistake in Tolkien's writing to make Gollum from the same area that Frodo's ancestors are from. Yeah, but he was making shit up as he went <laughs> along. <laughs> like, Tolkien didn't make continuity mistakes just, like that. It just feels like if you're going to make a point... Of having one of the tragic antagonists of your story be from the same area that your main character's ancestors are from, 
and you go through all this trouble to like laying it out, why wouldn't you also say like, oh yeah, it's possible. Well, like, well he also didn't tell us who Tom Bombadil is. Right, but I don't care about Tom Bombadil. I'm talking about your main character. Tom Bombadil is like a freak of nature. <laughs> he just appears like you were talking about yesterday, like the hobbits. I don't care about Tom Bombadil because Tom Bombadil has no bearing on the overarching story of the Lord of the Rings. Fro- whatever you say about the barrel white swords or whatever. Frodo Baggins is your main character yep. and Gollum is your not main antagonist, but like your main tragic whatever. I don't know the, the term that I'm looking for. I mean, he's, he's not really even an anti-hero because he is evil. He's like corrupted, but like these are main characters and not characters that just appear in random chapters and right. then never you never hear from them again. Yeah. If and these two, these two, and like okay, so Gandalf makes a point of saying like I think he has some part to play in this yet. Yeah. If you go through all this trouble laying out all of these connections between your main character and the guy who's getting him to his objective, yeah. Why would you go through all that trouble to lay all of these connections out and not also say, like, there is a possibility that they are related as well? Because I don't think whether or not they're related really impacts the story at all. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) I like that everyone is drawn together for a singular purpose and by all of these fantastical things that happen in the story and... It just seems like one step too far for me that, like, the possibility that they're related. Do you do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It it It's just not for me. It, it I think it detracts from it because, again, I don't know why he would go through all this trouble to, like, literally, like, through Sam's eyes, like, these, ha- these people have, like, a weird telepathic magic connection in some capacity and to me this book is about well it's about many things but one of the themes is like found family but also legacies right but one of the themes to me in this book is found family specifically the relationship between legos and gimli and um frodo and sam yeah and to me Having Gollum, who is tied up with Frodo and Sam's narrative very closely, like, that's all that happens in their section. Yeah. Their mini book within a book. If Gollum is also, like, even distantly related to Frodo, I feel like it undermines the theme a little bit. Because you're talking about all of these fantastical things that happen to these people to bring them together. And I don't know, like maybe because Gollum like betrays them, but like Gollum is also, there's like a connection between Gollum and Frodo because Frodo sees his future in Gollum. So by seeing his future in Gollum, it doesn't make sense to me that they would also be distantly related in the past. Does that make sense? Like, in my brain, like, if you're talking about Frodo seeing himself in somebody else that just happens to share his experience with the ring um, to a further extent, I don't, it doesn't, you don't need to have them also be, like, related. That's why it's never, like, spelled out, is because right. spelling it out would detract from it. That's what I'm saying. 
But I don't think, if you don't spell it out, I don't think it detracts from it. It just makes it another interpretation of their relationship. But I think that interpretation is not solid. I don't want to say wrong, but I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that interpretation because mm. I feel like it also detracts from the work. I don't think it does. I, I've, I've kind of always felt like if they are distantly related, like 30th cousins or whatever, then it's just one more connection. And every connection makes the empathy that Frodo feels for Gollum more impactful to Frodo as a character. But if this, if this section of the narrative is about their bond, regardless of their family right. connection, then I feel like... Frodo and Gollum being related cheapens that bond. I don't think it does because it's something that neither of them could ever know or would ever reasonably know. Right. But if the reader supposes that they might be, then that has a bearing on how you interpret the work. Yeah. Frodo and Gollum don't know shit. No, they don't know anything. But it's all about, like, the way that he writes the book. It's not from Frodo's point of view. It's not from any one point of view. Right. It's a third person... Um, not objective, but yeah, I think it is objective. It's third person limited is when it's like from a, it's like Harry Potter. Like it's from a certain point of view without being in the first person. Yeah. Omniscient. Third person omniscient. There you go. So like in, I mean, in this first chapter in book four, which is like the section that Frodo and Sam are in, it's like the second half of the two towers. Yeah. In that chapter alone, you are jumping back and forth from Frodo and Sam's point of view. Like, it ain't no thing. Like, Tolkien's just like, okay, I need to communicate this. So Sam's looking up at the cliff, but then all of a sudden, Frodo's also, we're getting Frodo's point of view. Yeah. So, it's not what, it's not what Frodo knows. It's not what Gollum knows. It's the sum of all of these things that the reader knows. Right. So, if you're communicating these things to the reader... I feel like if the reader were to interpret that this is just another connection, I feel like that interpretation cheapens the reader's, or at least my personal reading of the work. I mean, to me, that interpretation strengthens it. Why? Because every connection they share means it's more impactful to Frodo. It makes it more important for him to fight the corrupting influence. Every connection increases his need to break it. Every connection, okay, no matter what they are, increases his need to see himself and find a way to break it because then it's proof that he can come back. It means more to him if he breaks five connections than if he breaks four. Or if he has every connection makes it more impactful to Frodo and that makes it more impactful to me. I don't think so because you already have the family connection with Bilbo. Frodo has seen what Bilbo like the ring does to Bilbo. Right. And like Bilbo is like step one and Gollum is like step five. Yeah. So you already have that connection between Frodo and his family and the ring. I don't see why that also has to extend to Gollum. It doesn't have to, but I've also, I've always seen the possibility of they're related. There is no confirmation or denial anywhere. No, I know, but. And given like, Given the greater context of, like, an isolated people over time, it's very unlikely that they're not related in some way. Because, I, I mean, Bilbo's related to half the Shire. Yeah, but what about the other half that he's not related to? I mean, the Tooks are probably related to the other half. I don't, I mean... 
Because when you talk about ancient lineages, you go back far enough, everybody's related. Okay, but like hobbits live... How long do hobbits live? Uh, Over 100 years. Like 130-ish. Yeah. So a little longer than... A little longer than people. Modern day people. Yeah. Because everyone lives like for like 200 years. Right. Um, uh, and the average age of like other normal people in Middle Earth for humans is probably around 70 or 80, I would guess. Theoden is considered an old man, and so is Denethor, and I think they're in their 50s or 60s. I don't know. I don't think so. Because Boromir's got a, Boromir's probably like in his 30s. How old does that make Denethor? Okay, well, Aragorn went to war with Eowyn's, what, grandfather? Yeah. And Aragorn is... He's 88. 88. And if people have kids about every 20 years... And that would have been probably like 50 years ago that Theoden was a young, was a boy. Like Theoden's got a, yeah, look at that. Theoden is 90. Or not Theoden. Denethor is 90 almost. Denethor is 89. Yeah, he's almost 90 years old. a year older than Aragorn. Yeah. (laughs) So how how old is Theoden? But if Denethor is like an old man, but he's not like deathbed old. Um, He's close. Because he's still ruling uh, Gondor. Yeah. But that's just because he's still alive, because that's just how royalty works. Until they cede their power, they just rule it forever. Look at Theoden is 71. When he dies. When he dies. So yeah, and Theoden is an old man who, when we first see him, is not far from death's door. Um, That's because he was possessed by Saruman. Yeah. So, you know, and royalty in Middle-earth has some Dunedain, has some Numenorean blood. Not the stewards. I mean, no, every, everyone in Gondor has some. It's just a more direct line for the kings. Oh, Really? Yeah, everyone who came from the Southern Kingdom and founded it and ruled it and shaped it came from Numenor. Huh. They're the surviving Numenorians. It's the founding of Gondor. Okay. So the people of the South also probably live longer than the people in Rohan, because as the blood gets spread thinner. Yeah, anyway. And the people of Rohan, you know, bred with the people of the hills. Right. So yeah, what were you making? The point about how long hobbits live and like generations and the like? Oh, yeah. Um, and if hobbits have kids around the same time as, like, people do, sometime in their 20s or 30s, they start, like... Well, no, it wouldn't be in their 20s because hobbits mature... Oh, yeah, hobbits mature differently. Yeah. So, like, in their 50s, they start having kids. Like, hobbits start having kids in, like, in their 50s. That's 10 generations ago, at least. Someone had kids young, it could be more, whatever. But, like, given how spread out, like, Bilbo's family seems to be, and knowing how old the families of the Tooks and the Brandybucks are... It seems totally reasonable that they share some relation. Even if they don't directly share blood, they might share blood from opposite sides of a family with somebody else. I just think it's dumb. I don't know. I think every connection strengthens Frodo's need to get rid of the ring. But Frodo's getting rid of the ring is heroic because it's it's not tied to it's not tied to connections. It's tied to his will. Well, I mean, it's I mean, like, he doesn't want to, and then Gollum, like, bites his finger off. I mean, but, like... tracking with addiction is you're trying to get rid of this thing that is literally attached to you. Right. That you can't just shake off. Right. It's, it is a literal physical manifestation of a negative connection. Yeah. But I just don't think that it's relevant to Frodo's journey. I don't I think mean, it's relevant. I think the only thing that's really relevant to Frodo's journey is how heavy the ring bears on him. Because the whole point is that it's heroic because he throws off a burden far beyond him. Right. It doesn't, like... And how that every way that that burden is connected to him is another weight on it. I don't think so. 
And that's how I feel about it. I think the it. ring is beyond any of your mortal bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, the ring itself is so far removed from all this other stuff that Frodo might be carrying. Right. But, I mean, I think every connection you share with some other ring bearer or everything, anything like that. Well, I mean, there's... The only connection that really matters is that they all had contact with the ring. Right. But every connection two ring bearers share is something the ring can manipulate. Something the ring can weigh on because it's an active malicious force. I don't like that's so I don't I don't agree. I think we're agreeing to disagree. I again. think we are agreeing to disagree. Is again. this a record? <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Twice in the same week. We're going for five. <laughs> um, Two for five. <laughs> I just don't, it doesn't jive with my reading of this text. Mm. It feels superfluous and unnecessary. I don't know. Uh, I tend to view anything that is about a character that doesn't directly harm another character's ability to contribute to the story as a net positive. What? What do you mean? Like, every piece of information about somebody... As long as it doesn't directly contradict or harm something else in the story, I view as a positive. But it's not information. It's speculation and supposition. And I think that enhances readings of stories, too. Like, based on the context of, like, the world that inspired Tolkien. Right. But you're, like, an English paper and not using the, the, you're using, like, the, what's it when it's, like, a circumstantial evidence? Well, I mean, it's the cultural context in the way that the work was written. The things that inspired the work. I feel like you're, like, trying to back up your your thesis with circumstantial evidence instead of, like, stuff. I don't know. I would call it contextual evidence. It's the context of the way that the work was created. But it's not contextual evidence because it's not, like, in the context of the story. It's in the context of the author. I think that's just as important as the story. No, that would be, like... That would be, like, cultural. I mean, I don't know. I think the person that wrote it and their historical, like, their context of their life and what happened in their life and the things that inspired their work are just as important to figuring out what some things in a work mean as the work itself. That is a completely different school of thought. (laughs) I know that's a different school of thought. But, like, that's the way I've always looked at works. It's like, who this person is that wrote it is just as important to figuring out what things in the story mean as the words that were written on the right. page. But we're also like looking at a movie based off <laughs> of a book, based off of this guy's ideas. Right. Based off of myths and legends, based off of like oral traditions. Right. So it gets really muddled in between there. So right. like from the movie's perspective. I feel like it cheapens the narrative to have Gollum in any sort of way related to Frodo because it does. <laughs> just, right, like, I understand that, like, some people might think that it it takes away from something. I understand that people feel that way, but I don't really understand how it takes away. I literally just spent, like, 20 minutes trying to explain it to you. <laughs> right, and I mean, I understand that you feel it takes away, oh but I gosh. still don't fully grasp how it takes away from it. Like, because another big part of the book is legacies, and it's just one more piece of a legacy of the ring affecting Frodo. So, I know we talked about legacy a lot last time. 
Yeah. In, but like we are, like there's like a one to one correlation between like Frodo and his legacy or his the the legacy that's thrust upon him and Aragorn and the legacy that he is reluctant to pick up. Right. I don't really grasp how Gollum fits into that specific reading that we were doing last movie. Well, I mean, the legacy of the ring includes Gollum. Right. Straight out. But I think Gollum is an outlier and should not have counted. <laughs> Gollum is an outlier. <laughs> I mean, if you're I'm talking sorry. about the negative, like the, the, some of the negative past aspects of these characters' legacies... Gollum is the is the Isildur figure in Frodo's legacy. Right. No, Gollum is like the ring, not anthropomorphized, but like distilled. Yeah. So I think Gollum is not so much tied to Frodo's legacy as it is as he is to the ring's legacy. Like, like if if Frodo is. Bilbo's heir and Aragorn is Isildur's heir, Gollum is the ring's heir. So the fact that you're thinking that Gollum is related to Frodo muddies that water for me mm. in a way that doesn't really jive with how I'm reading the movie. I mean, I don't I don't see Gollum as the ring's heir. I mean, in the context of the story and how we learn about things, in order, Gollum is the originator of the ring legacy that becomes Frodo's legacy. But Gollum has no family. The ring is his family. Like, the ring is his life. Yeah, because he killed and then he killed one family member and ran away from the rest of them. Right. I'm talking about, like, found family. The ring found Gollum. Gollum found the ring. That's literally, like, Kate Blanchett spells it out for you in the prologue. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think in the grand scheme of all of this, I, I just think that we're never going to agree the, how it adds idea, or detracts from the this story. The idea of Gollum literally murdering his family to get to the ring is him forfeiting all ties to his supposed ancestors and anyone who comes after him. Gollum's life is about the ring and the ring is using Gollum to get back to Sauron. Right. And the same way it's using Frodo to get back to Sauron. Right. But Gollum's had it for 500 years. 500 years. So like in that sense, Gollum's had the ring the longest outside of Sauron. In that sense, Gollum and the ring are like inexplicable, well not inexplicably, inexorably linked. I feel like Gollum is the the heir the the ring's heir. Mm. I don't know. I I view I don't we're never going to agree about this. Like <laughs> I'm just trying to like I think the the real world context of the very real world sorts of places that inspired the Shire implies that it's pretty likely Gollum is related to him in some way because it's all small town pastoral England and those No, uh, I understand. People are all related. I understand, but I and, and that makes it like, I don't know, it makes the journey more personal to Frodo, whether or not he's aware of it. I don't, it's already super personal. 
Right. And I mean, I don't know. I view every connection as having meaning because it's just another thing that Frodo needs to succeed in spite of. I don't feel like... It, every Everything makes the journey harder on Frodo. Right. Everything you stack on it makes the journey harder on Frodo, no matter what those connections are. They both had a dog named Fluffy. That's another connection that makes it harder on Frodo. It doesn't matter what the connection is. What? I'm just, I'm just, I'm being facetious in that statement, but like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter what the connection is. Every connection that Frodo feels with Gollum and vice versa makes it like one harder for Frodo to ignore the presence of the ring because of how long it stayed on Gollum. But, so everything they share is something the ring can leverage. And I feel, I feel like Frodo's reading of, or like initial interaction with Gollum is also directly influenced by Bilbo's story. And, like, like we were talking about, like, the conversation with Gandalf and Moria, you know, like, pity stayed Bilbo's hand. Yeah. And if Frodo is, Frodo is basing his, his reading of the situation on stories that were passed down to him from Bilbo. Right. So in that way, that is, like, the personal connection, but it's already filtered through Bilbo's interactions with Gollum. Right. And this is Frodo's interactions with Gollum are going to change and stress right. and create new connections between the two of them. Right. And I, I don't know, every connection matters. Everything adds weight to the ring. How long have we been talking about this? I don't even... Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know, do we have any other technical notes for the minute? <laughs> we can talk about them tomorrow, I guess. Uh, I mean, I do, I, I do have other technical notes about, like, I, I do have one quick technical note about the near the very beginning of this minute, now that we have gone so far away. Um, the cutaway when Gollum starts whining to that wide shot looking out over Emin Mule, mm-hmm. none of that exists. That's a matte painting. That's cool. Just like you are in... No, I'm just kidding. You, you, can't, you, can't go the, you can't go to New Zealand and find somewhere that looks like that. That's yeah. a matte painting. That's cool. Uh um, One of the few places that's not real. My other notes are just as relevant tomorrow, I guess. Cool. Since we've been talking for well, almost an hour. <laughs> thank you guys for hanging with us for an hour out of your day. Uh, hopefully tomorrow is a little shorter. <laughs> Unless, of course, you enjoy hearing us um, spar. Um, <laughs> Coming at this with two very different thoughts. <laughs> um, in the meantime... Check out the protagonist podcast, uh, The Doctor's Companion, Countdown to Infinity, which is uh, they're analyzing one uh, movie of the MCU a week until the uh, release of Avengers Infinity War. Um, I was recently on, or I don't know if it's gone out yet, because wacky time travel recording <laughs> shenanigans. What is time? Um, but I was on there to talk about the first Thor movie. It was a lot of fun, so check them out. And we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 15. Bye. Bye.